I am grateful to be here. My first time preaching as an engaged man. That's right, y'all. She said, if you like it, put a ring on it. So I did. I know, I know. I caught you guys all by surprise. Everybody was like, what? I didn't even know these guys were a thing. I know everybody was caught off guard. No, uh, truly uh, happy to be here and, and really looking forward to spending the rest of my life with you as my partner, Amanda. And excited to be preaching here. Nice. Um, so without any actual further ado, um, actually just one more. Next week, y'all, is our very first Vision Builder Sunday. So you better be in the building. I, I promise you this. It will be a Sunday uh, for the books. It will be a Sunday that makes history. Uh, next Sunday, July 31st. It's going to be epic. And now, without any further ado, let's open up our Bibles. Today we are unpacking John chap 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And it says, Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Children, time is just about up. You heard that the Antichrist is coming. Well, they're all over the place. Antichrist everywhere you look. That's how we know that we're close to the end. They left us, but they were never really with us. If they had been, they would have stuck it out with us. Loyal to the end. In leaving, they showed their true colors. Showed they never did belong, but you belong. The Holy One anointed you, and you all know it. I haven't been writing this to tell you something you don't know, but to confirm the truth you do know and to remind you that the truth doesn't breed lies. Okay, here we go. So who is lying here? It's the person who denies that Jesus is the divine Christ. That's who. This is what makes an antichrist, denying the father, denying the son. No one who denies the son has any part with the father, but affirming the son is an embrace of the father as well. Stay with what you heard from the beginning, the original message. Let it sink into your life. If what you heard from the beginning lives deeply in you, you will live deeply in both the son and the father. This is exactly what Christ promised, eternal life, real life. I've written to warn you about those who are trying to deceive you. But they're no match for what is embedded deeply within you. Christ's anointing no less. You don't need any of their so-called teaching. Christ's anointing teaches you the truth on everything you need to know about yourself and Him, uncontaminated by a single lie. Live deeply in what you were taught. And now, children, stay with Christ. Live deeply in Christ. Then we will be ready for Him when He appears, ready to receive Him with open arms, with no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when He arrives. Once you are convinced that he's right and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's children. Could you guys bow your heads, close your eyes as we get ready to pray? Lord, I thank you for this moment. I just ask that in this moment, I know that you are here, but I ask that you will take over and that your will may dominate in this moment and you may speak to your people in your name. Amen. It is in the midst of this section, this long passage, uh, that the writer of this letter, John, uh, explains the purpose of why he's writing. He says, I haven't been writing this 
all that he's been writing. He says, I haven't been writing this to tell you something you don't know, but to confirm the truth you do know and to remind you that the truth doesn't breed lies. See, the, the context of this letter, and specifically this passage, John is addressing an issue that is going out amongst this church. There has been deception going on. There are different ideologies and philosophies. There are people leaving the fold. There is a lot of confusion. And in this moment, John doesn't tell them something new. He takes a moment to reestablish their confidence, to remind them of the truth they do know. And in this passage, I think there are three key principles that we can take out. But again, this section is not John telling his church or commanding this church. He's reminding them. And so I want to do the same thing here today. I want to remind us um, of these keys. These are key reminders. So the title of today's talk is don't forget your keys to the kingdom. Because after every principle that you, you will see that over and over, John says, when you do this, it sets you up for kingdom access, eternal life, um, for righteousness. So the title of today's talk is don't forget your keys to the kingdom. Because what John is seeking to do is have them remember these truths amidst such uncertain times. And I've, I've been there. Like it is truly so easy to forget. I'm a forgetful person. I forget everything. And this walk with God is there are just a lot of things amidst a time. I mean, if it was uncertain then in an age of information overload, you got TikTok gurus everywhere, YouTube sensations, everybody who's here to tell you about how your way of believing is wrong. There are, throughout history, there have been numerous doctrines and, and um, theologies and, and religious movements. And so it can be so easy to forget what the original message ever was when we first came to Christ and why we came to Christ, because I've yet to meet a person who's come to Christ based off of a doctrine and theology. It's almost always an encounter with Jesus. And as I reflect, I, I've wrote a reflection. I've, I've been doing this for a while now. Um, this is, I think, my third or fourth sermon doing this. And so I just believe that spoken word captures emotion and heart um, quite like no, nothing else. And so I've just shared, I've just written a word on how easy it is to forget. It, it's been so easy to forget your truth, God. So easy to forget all you've been asking me to do is simply love you. To not get so caught up, to not get so distracted. Lord, the amount of times I've put my will over yours is countless. The amount of times I've caught myself chasing wind, chasing winds. I've become so adept at spiritualizing my pride. And when I have come back, Lord, somehow I make it a climb. Even though your son already embedded forgiveness within me, I will strive to earn what was freely given, when all I ever need to do is lean in. All I need to do is stand in your presence and allow your love to wash over me. I only need to let you sink deep within me and wear you as my forever reminder that I don't need to chase, I don't need to strive. In you is eternal life. Lord, you're my one desire. And my only cry is that I will know you all my life, that you will keep me wide awake in this grace because it's you who is the key. It's you that I need and all I need to do is remain in you. Let my love be unwavering, remain true, and to abide deeply in your son. So Lord, next time I catch myself forgetting, would you remind me that all I need is to breathe you in, 
and lean into your love. Amen. Thank you. You see, where John is going to take this reminder and where we're going to end up today is this. Remain in Christ. Amidst confusion and tension in the constant forgetting and the ways in which people will try to divide and deceive you, the anecdote is to remain and remember the love of Christ. There are, there are more keys that we're going to build as we do this. And so the first key, we're going to start right at the top. Verse 15, he says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practic practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. First key not to forget. You guys ready? First key, love God. I know, I know, right? Duh, tell me something I don't know. Love God. But, but, but hang with me, guys, because before I unpack this and how simple it seems, but how really powerful it is, I want to establish this. So often, we hear the Bible, and we hear biblical commands, and we tend to hear them through this lens of command and consequence. Love of the world squeezes God's love out. Huh. Consequence. But really, they are principles. They are not command and consequence. They are not do this or else. They are do this because. Do this because it's just an observation. This is what happens. Don't put your phone in water or else the, you're going to be punished. No, just the natural consequence of throwing your phone in water is not going to work. It's just a principle. And, and what is being explained in this principle is that when we are caught up with the world and, and a better term that fits like our modern day explanation is this term zeitgeist, which literally means spirit of the times. And it's, it's that intangible thing that's like the culture of society and the bend of this world, the, the moral values, the way that the times are shifting. It's, it's just what is happening around us. American culture is very work-based, very financial-based, how much money you got in your pocket. Other countries are not like that. They're more family-oriented. There are some cultures where literally the, the, the parents live with their child all the way until their senior year. Like it becomes the responsibility of the oldest child. That's just the culture. It's just, it's not a thing you can put your finger on. It's just, you know, the culture. And this is what we're talking about. There's something about our world and he's writing it all these years ago, but it's all about me. He says it's wanting, wanting, wanting. It's wanting to get ahead. It's wanting to put your pride. And that principle is this. It just squeezes out your capacity to love God. It's not a punishment. If you love the world, God is going to turn his face from you. No. Hey, when you love the world, I'm, an, you know, I'm, a, I'm a fiance, right? Relationship people. You, you can't love nobody else. That's, it's a principle. How does that work? It doesn't. And it just squeezes out your capacity to love God. And it just makes sense that because the culture of our society, societal principles, are at odds with the will of God. Wanting your own way goes against the idea of serving others. Wanting everything for yourself goes against the call to live a generous lifestyle. Wanting to, be a, to appear important goes against the call to humble ourselves. 
And so when you chase after societal principles and schools of thought and philosophies and YouTube videos, it, the, the call of God, the commands of God begin to feel suffocating because they're in conflict with one another. And, and here in this translation, it says it just isolates you from him. But I want you guys to notice that he, he does talk about doing the will of God, but he doesn't talk about that in contrast to loving the world. He's talking about it in contrast to loving God. It is our capacity to love God. And I think so often we get caught up and we would hear this and think, okay, so I got to stop loving the world. I got to start doing what God wants. It's like, no, guys, love God. Focus your intentionality on loving God because there is a difference. And I think it's very easy to say, I love a person. Like I, I have a mother. I love my mother. I love my brothers. I love my fiance. But that is different from the act of living that love out. And you, you can feel it. Anyone who's been in any kind of relationship, a friendship, family, uh, partnership, you know the difference between love observed and love felt and intentionally uh, um, done and given. He says that it's that love. See, here's what I believe. It's be that love that enables us to do the very will of God. And that then is what sets us for eternity. But it has to start with loving God, not doing for God. Because if you're in a relationship, you also know the difference when you take the trash out because they said. You know, I grew up in a household where I would say, I love you, Ma. She would say, so take the garbage out. I'm like, those are two different things, Ma. And there's a difference when you do out of compulsion. Like, it's my role. I'm supposed to do it. And you do it begrudgingly and you drag your feet to do it. But when you lead from love, love will compel you to do things that you could not do on your own, that you just wouldn't do. And if it's that way within our human, human relationships, how much more so with God? I think so often we are caught up in trying to do for God and resist the world without first loving God. Like, what if we just started with our adoration towards him, our worship towards him, our admiration towards him? Because if this principle is true, love for the world squeezes love for God out, then the converse is true. Love for God squeezes the love for the world out. So we have to set our hearts, not just to love God, but to be unwaveringly set on loving him. It's the kind of love that says there is nothing that's going to deter me from loving you, distract me from loving you, or dilute this love that I have for you. And when we find ourselves in that position, I promise you the reverse is true. That as we fix our eyes on God and his beauty and we love on him, it drives out our desire <clears throat> for the world. And rather than like being stuck in this resistance towards like temptation and sin and I'm not going to curse that person out because I can't love the world and I can't be selfish. We could just fix our eyes on, I'm just going to love God. I'm just going to focus on loving him and allow that love to do its work. And it, it, it's just a true principle. You, your mind cannot like the negative is not how your mind works. So if I say, there's a thing that's common, don't think of a pink elephant. The very first thing you think of is a pink elephant because your brain has to process what I just said. So your brain says, he said, don't think of a, shows you the image of a pink elephant. Before you could even do it, you've already done it. When you say Simon Sinek has quoted this, skiers, if they focus on, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, their mind is looking at trees. Rather than just focus on the snow, focus on the snow, focus on the snow. Rather than us saying, we uh, can't gotta resist the world. No, no, it's 
is, hey, guys, don't do that. That's, that's not for you. Instead, as a reminder, let's focus on the love of God. If you set your eyes on him and start with allowing his love to fulfill you, and you allow yourself to reciprocate that same love, watch how setting your eyes on him sets you up for eternity. See, before John even gets into doing the will for God, he talks about their love and their capacity. He's like, hey, guys, take this stuff out. Because this is a reminder. You already have the capacity to love God. This is what's been holding it back. So just, just take it out. And then watch how your love enables you to do the same good and sets you for eternity. This is one of two times that John will even talk about righteous acts. But key number one, love God with all of our hearts, guys. Unwaveringly setting our intention on him. He continues after this. Again, he is in the midst of a tense time. There is gossip going on. There is divisiveness going on. There are false teachers in his camp. And the first thing he sets the record straight on is love for God. And then he goes into this. He says, children, time is just about up. You heard that the Antichrist is coming. Well, they're all over the place. Antichrist everywhere you look. That's how we know that we're close to the end. They left us. This is everybody's favorite verse. They left us, but they were never really with us. If they had been, they would have stuck it out with us. Stop thinking of people for this verse, guys. Stop, stop that. Loyal to the end. In leaving, they showed their true colors. Showed they never did belong. But you belong. The Holy One anointed you, and you all know it. I haven't been writing this to tell you something you don't know, but to confirm the truth you do know, and to remind you that the truth doesn't breed lies. So who's lying here? It's the person who denies that Jesus the divine Christ, is the divine Christ. That's who. This is what makes an antichrist. Denying the Father, denying the Son. No one who denies the Son has any part with the Father, but affirming the Son as an embrace of the Father as well. Stay with what you heard from the beginning, the original message. I look at this, and, and the key that I want to give you guys, and I'm going to explain how it connects. Key number two is remain true. Remain true. See, I, I read this and I think our faith has become so grossly convoluted. Like, I think we've overthought this thing. We have denominations that are divided against each other, doctrines, theologies on eschatology, the Antichrist, all these things. But what we find here is John in the midst of dealing with the same kind of divisiveness when talking about an Antichrist says that this is what it is. This is the criteria. Someone who denies Christ. And then he doesn't go on a, on a, a soapbox on how you got to find the Antichrist. And here's how this political figure is the Antichrist. Or this celebrity is the Antichrist. Or that girl who broke my heart is the Antichrist. He doesn't go. He goes, they're everywhere. They're, they're everywhere. They're, they're people who deny Christ. And yet we've been stuck on the Antichrist that will signify the end times so that we'll know it's here, even though the Bible says it's not for man to know. And we are so caught up on spotting it, but John and, and really most of the apostles lived as if the end times were in their midst. There's a term. They lived as if the return of Christ was imminent, like it could come at any moment. I want you to think about this. In this passage, John says, that's how we know the end is close. He said that thousands of years ago. He just lived his life like the end was close. 
Antichrists were everywhere. And he didn't make it his platform. As a matter of fact, he was using this as a segue to his greater point. See, this for John, it was just a sign of the times. Like it was just like, yeah, this is how we know. Okay, we can keep moving. This was not about how to spot the Antichrist that is in your midst. And they left us, but how, here's how to catch the people that are still here that need to go. No. And you know what it really wasn't, guys? I got to tell you guys, it wasn't a mantra for your next falling out with somebody. You cannot get tatted. They left us, but they were never really with us. You can't do that. All right? this, this was not a mantra. This was not him throwing shade. Where he gets to his point is in verse 20. He says, but you belong. But you belong. You were anointed by the Holy One. You're still here. So we don't need to get so caught up with the thems that left us. We don't need to be caught up with which political figure, which celebrity, which person. Who is it? We don't need to worry about that. What we need to worry about is we belong. We're still here. We were anointed. God has chosen you. And we don't need to be fixated. Because the truth is, well, they're everywhere you look. That's it. They're everywhere you look. There's, there's, there's been a mark of the beast for every generation that's lived. They're everywhere you look. People have always been denying Christ. Even when Christianity was the predominant religion of America, which it still is a Christian nation, it would be distorted and corrupted. When Rome made Christianity the predominant religion of its government, it was distorted. And so they are everywhere you look. They're everywhere. And so why be distracted with them? It, it reads better as this. Hey, never mind them. Never mind the people that are trying to deceive you. You belong. You know what's true. And then he goes on. He says, so remain here. He says, he says in verse 24, Stay with what you heard from the beginning, the original message. It is totally a message to them, not about the others. They're like, he's like, hey, you know this, you belong. You are still here. And then it's here that John parks and tells them why he's writing. After saying you belong, you're still here, he says, I'm writing this not to tell you something you don't know. But to maybe talk to that doubt that's within you. That's been seeing people leave and maybe you're like, am I, am I even about it? To, to talk to you that's in doubt and let you know, hey, I'm just here to affirm the truth that you've already been told. It's the original message. It's that encounter that you can't deny. I was an atheist. And I didn't come to God because Roe's theological debate, apologetic skills are that good. And he convinced me out of atheism. He tried. I was stubborn. I was like, I don't care about your logic. <laughs> I'm so serious. What happened to me was I encountered Jesus. And no matter how many times, no matter how many times I've doubted since then, no matter how many times I've seen a great argument, there's some good atheist debaters. I'm going to tell you, Sam Harris, he's good. It, but this is not a logical thing for me. This is not a school of thought that I follow, that I just go to Pastor Rose Church and he's just such a great preacher. And I just no, I, I'm compelled to this faith. I'm compelled to this journey because of the original message which I encountered who was a person. It was the word of God that I experienced and I know that you experienced him too. You're not here because Pastor Ruben preaches good. You're not here because the, the, the theological claims are so solid. You're here because you've encountered a person. His name is Jesus and you can't turn away from him. That is it. I am compelled. And so when different things start coming up, I just go back to the truth. And that's what John is trying to get them to hear. He's just trying to remind them that, hey, you belong. 
think you need to tell that to yourself today. Can we say that? I belong. I belong. When it seems uncertain, you belong. You were anointed. And I know can't nobody, maybe you can't quote all the books of the Bible, neither can I without Google. Maybe you can't make the best argument. Maybe you don't know what an ontological, teleological basis for, maybe you don't. But neither did the blind man. They're asking him all these questions about Jesus. Who healed you? How did he heal you? What authority? He said, this is what I know. I was blind. I see. I was blind. I see. And that is the greatest truth. This is what I know. I know that I've encountered Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're in a place of despair today and you just need some reminding. Maybe there have been so many not of yous in your life who have walked out on you and said that they would be there till the end. And we're still in the middle and they're not here. Maybe they've left you. Maybe they're, they've, maybe you're scared. But don't focus on that. There, there are so, hit song. You want to write a hit song? Write a song about a hater or a breakup. That's the truth. You will be betrayed in life. Throughout life, there is a hater. There is an antichrist. They're everywhere you look. But don't focus on that. Focus on this. You belong. You're still here. So stay here. Because that's what he follows up with. He says, just stay in this. Stay with what you've heard. Stay with the truth. Remain true, Christ uncensored. Don't get caught up with the who's here's and the who's nots and who's really about this and what's the quality of their faith. Get caught up on this. You're here. You were anointed. You belong. What's the truth? He says, focus on the truth. And he says, this is what the truth is. He gives a counter. He says, this is what he tells them the truth by telling them the lie. The lie is this. Anyone who denies, he says, so who is lying here? The person who denies that Jesus is the divine Christ. That's who. So what's the truth? Jesus is the divine Christ. That's the truth that we know. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, maybe you're here today and you haven't yet placed your faith in Jesus. The truth is this, that Jesus is the divine Christ. That's the thing that he's telling them to hold on to. That's it. In the midst of deception, he's saying, you know the truth. Jesus is the Messiah. You know the truth. You've been saved. You know the truth. You've been redeemed. You know the truth. He doesn't talk about any other arguments. He doesn't talk dismantle any other things that being brought because he believes, and I believe this is it, that the foundation of knowing that Jesus Christ is the Messiah is the truth that trumps everything. Because if you are in an active relationship with Jesus, he will reveal to you. He himself is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's not a thing that I need to convince you of. I really, whenever we have leadership conversations and, and like about what we believe and what our values are, it always comes down to this. And we never want to convince people. We don't want to be great convincers at this church. Like, oh, yeah, I put that sin down. Why? Pastor Lee convinced me. She really convinced me. No, I, I want to be a person. We want to be a church that convicts people of the love of God and the truth of Jesus because we believe Jesus will transform your life. Jesus will tell you what is true. You belong, church. So just remain in his truth. He says this as a counter. He says, affirming, denying is, is the lie, but affirming the son is an embrace of the Father as well. And it's really just echoing Jesus, right? When Jesus says, hey, no one can come to the Father except through me. And it's one of those principles that it can be used as an oral statement. You got to believe in Jesus or God is not going to want anything to do with you. But I have a pin to get into my house. It's like a boop, 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 boop. You say, what's the code? I'll tell you the code. One, two, three, four. And you go, why isn't it any other code? We're like, because that's the code. That's the way in. Jesus is the way. He is the way to God. There is no other way. 
And that's it. It's not an oral statement. It's a fact. It's just an observant fact. God made the way through Jesus Christ, his son. And so when you affirm his son as Messiah, you embrace the father as well. The veil is torn. You have redemption of sin. Why? Because he's the way. He's the key. He's the truth. Not because or else. Because he was the only way. I've heard Erwin McManus say it this way. When, when in the context of why are uh, against other religions, he says, because he's the only God who made his way down the mountain. Jesus is the only person who came with the rescue boat. And that's why, that's it. Why do you place your faith in Jesus? Because he's the one I encountered. He's the one who came to save me when I didn't even know I needed saving. Affirming the son. He says, stay with what you heard from the beginning. And it, it goes into our, our last key, technically. He says, stay with what you heard from the beginning. The original message, let it sink into your life. If what you heard from the beginning lives deeply in you, you will live deeply in both son and father. This is exactly what Christ promised, eternal life real life I've written to warn you about those who are trying to deceive you and people have um, you know you, we've all, there's people who've started whole ministries on those trying to deceive you John he reconciles it in a single sentence he says they're no match because I've written to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But they're no match for what is embedded deeply within you. Christ's anointing no less. You don't need any of their so-called teaching. Christ's anointing teaches you the truth on everything you need to know about yourself and him uncontaminated by a single lie. Live deeply in, in what you were taught so how do we counteract all this divisive stuff happening and these tiktok gurus these people commenting on pastor rose tiktok videos that he's he's the antichrist because he's over exemplifying that jesus is the Messiah, apparently how do, we, how do we counteract that person who's saying these things to you? How do you do it? Well, he, he doesn't give a five-point plan. He actually says, they're no match for what's already been embedded in you. And what's been embedded in you, it is Jesus Christ in you. Not a teaching, but Jesus in you. Not that those things aren't good, right? John in this moment is teaching. He says, it's, they're no match for the love of God within you. They're no match for the anointing that's over you. Not your knowledge, but Christ dwelling in you. And he says, it's Christ's anointing that teaches you the truth on everything you need to know. And I, I said it before, but I want to emphasize it now. Christ Uncensored strives to be that church. Do we teach? Of course. Do we talk about what we believe? Absolutely. I'm here preaching 45 minutes. But it's not to convince. My, my heart here and the heart of every teacher here, every worship singer here, every leader here, is that we will speak and as we speak, Holy Spirit will convict and compel you of the truth. We never want to be a church that has taught you and you are like just firmly rooted on our amazing argument style and delivery. Because if it depends on that, it depends on that. And all it takes is the next person to argue better, talk better. You guys, you I know we all have that friend who's wrong, but their their logic is so good. I, I, my, for me, it's always been my cousin. He will be wrong. They're wrong. And I will know he's wrong. Something about the way he talks. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. 
if it depends on our delivery to convince. There's, there's another scripture that says, we're easily washed away by any teaching, every teaching. What it ought to depend on is Jesus Christ in you. Because it's Holy Spirit who teaches, it's Holy Spirit who leads. And this is the truth that he tells them to remain in. To let Jesus, his life, his story sink deeply into your life. And here's what happens when you do that, you remain rooted in him. What a paradox that Jesus rooted in you, roots you deeply and deeper in him. that that is the promise of eternal life that is the promise that Jesus is rooted in you and you are deeply rooted in him key three right so we live deeply in Christ we just sink deeper and deeper into him and the last thing it's not an additional key it's the master key it's the last part of this verse, but what a master key is, and the reason why I worded it this way, is it's a key that opens up all the locks. It's the key that answers all the problems. And this is a piece of knowledge. Everything is love God. That's us. Remain true. That's us. Live deeply in Christ. But this one is just something for us to hold on to wherever we go and to understand. And it's this. Remaining in Christ makes us ready. That's the answer. John, amidst deception and divisiveness, in preparing them for end times, we're talking about eschatology, when Jesus returns, you know what he says? He says, now children, stay with Christ. Live deeply in Christ. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears ready to receive him with open arms with no cause for red face guilt or lame excuses when he arrives what do we how, how do we get ready for the we just we just stay with christ we, we just just stay with christ we just live deeply within him and allow his love to equip us and make us ready the last verse he says once you're convinced that he is right and righteous you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children this is the beauty of living with Jesus that in just spending time with him it readies us and equips us what is sanctification is that we live deeply in Christ and he makes us ready and we just allow God to go to work. We love God and allow him to squeeze out. I think all of us here know that, that, I mean, it's a popular Christian quote, I'm not where I ought to be, but I'm not who I used to be. And this life of Christianity, you will feel so far until you look back to see how far God has taken you. And God is continually and perpetually refining you. But sometimes there is this temptation to put your hand on the wheel. Like, Lord, I gotta, I gotta get ready for you. I gotta get my doomsday kit. Return of Christ ready. And John says, guys, we're here. Thousands of years ago, John says, it's here. Remain in Christ. Remain in Jesus. And, and then he says this, yo recognize those who practice righteousness are God's children when you understand that God is righteous and the two go hand in hand my love for God see the issue here is is that verse right there becomes a sound clip like it just gets ripped out and then we use it to rip up people like mm, we know who the righteous of God are the true children they're the ones who are practicing righteousness and I was on me. Today's a very TikTok heavy day for me. TikTok is very versatile. But a TikTok trend or a meme, you know, the way they work is a sound bite goes up and then millions of people take that clip, pull it out of context into a new context and create something new. And we are so good at it. 
We are so good at taking Kermit the Frog, sipping tea, and running buck wild with that. Or Kermit the Frog looking at Kermit the Frog in a hoodie. And we got so many memes by distorting the context. The, the latest TikTok one is the sound, I wanna go home. Do it, do it. Sing it, you singers. <laughs> right? And I've seen a bunch. Me at work. I've seen me at church when my mom gets slain in the spirit. Hashtag Zoe. Uh, but how does it work? We are so good at taking this one thing. I don't even know what the context is. How many times I've said, like, oh, what song is that? My friends are like, uh. But they know the meme. And it's crazy how good we are at this and don't see how much it's done with scripture. That's, that's the original TikTok. We take a soundbite of a verse and we just run rampant with memes that have nothing to do with the context of what's being said. Once you're convinced that he is right and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. And then we put it on a shirt, judge others. But he's saying this in the midst of deception and divisiveness. And I think it comes across when you read the context because he's not spent any time. This is the second time in this chapter He's talking about righteousness. He's saying this. Hey, I know it's confusing, but would you just remain in him? Because when you remain in him, you'll know. Ro has used this example before, but you know, at a bank, the way they are able to pick up on the counterfeit bills is not by studying counterfeits. It's by studying the true thing the true source and and he's saying this like hey guys they're everywhere you look so remain in him because if you remain in him if you understand that he's righteous you you will know because the fact of the matter is people can do righteous acts people can do good with such terrible malicious intentions and so if it's all based on the works how can we ever know because I've seen some pretty messed up people do some pretty good things with bad intentions. He says, well, when you know the truth, you'll be able to pick up on the lies. And only because the, the distortions of verses like these have, have raised the question of, of righteousness and God's true children. You know, uh, a verse that's akin to this is Jesus. He says, you'll know them by their fruit. And that's a verse that you can't take. That's, that's not taken out of context. You will know a true believer by their fruit. But I do think it's misunderstood because we then take that verse. We take a verse like this and we say, well, we're going to judge people based on the quality of their fruit, not the kind of fruit. Because wickedness, wicked people, there, there is like, there is, that exists. But a, a mango tree doesn't stop being a mango tree because it produced a rotten mango. But we we've tend to do that in the faith. We look at other people producing bad fruit, not good fruit. Or, or we're the tree. It's like, oh, I just, I just cursed out my spouse oh I just fell into that temptation I produced bad fruit and we judge ourselves and say well then I must not be a true child of God but that's not the takeaway here it's not about the quality of your fruit it's about the kind of fruit you either are a mango tree or you are not right it's not about whether or not you produce it and you not producing that that, that that quality doesn't change the kind of believer you are. You are in Christ or you're not. But if you are in Christ, continually in Christ and you've produced some bad fruit, well, well maybe the problem's the soil. Maybe the problem's the water. Maybe the problem's that we've not remained in Him because all in this
John doesn't talk. He doesn't talk as much about works as he does the love of God. He affirms Holy Spirit's work in them continuously. So maybe you're here and and you found yourself at a place of defeat. You found yourself at a place of turmoil. It's like, well, Lord, how do I I produce better fruit? It just goes back to the first key church. We focus on him first and allow him to work in us and to take our roots. The whole story, the whole story of Christ is that he came because humanity could not produce the right fruit. He came down because we could not to make us able. We stand on our feet. kinds of responses that we give and it's, the first is this maybe we're here and we're like you just want to live by these keys that when life shifts and and upends and is confusing that you will know to remain in him i want, I want to pray for you so let's do that let's do that first you could just we're going to pray that together for the church lord for anyone here who is going through uncertainty confusion God I just ask that you will move in their heart and I ask that you will be their forever reminder that all they need to do is worship at your feet and sink deeply deeply into you and allow your son to produce in them your righteousness produce your righteousness And for those who, again, I've been talking a lot about this Jesus guy, and and maybe you're feeling something, and you have a desire to begin to remain in him and to begin to place your faith in him. It's not a thing you get ready for. It's a thing you just embrace. I just want to give you the opportunity to place your faith in Jesus today. So I'm going to count to three with every head bowed, every eye closed, so that, you know, we're not calling you out. We just want to know who to pray for. I'm going to count to three. You're going to raise your hand and then we're going to say a prayer together. One, two, three. We're going to say this together. Jesus, I place my faith in you. Today I root myself in you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for saving me. Today I'm new. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to declare and live out this message in this next song of worship.